0: You will join me in John chapter 11, and uh, I love that, that course. Redeeming Love Shall Be My Theme Until I Die. What a powerful reminder of the grace of God, and uh, we're going to see grace poured through this passage as we walk through it this morning. John chapter 11, verses 17 through 36, and our theme, as I shared uh, just a moment ago, is Processing Pain. Processing pain. All right, quick, quick poll um, because my 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 understanding is that typically people fall in one or two of these areas. Okay, so quick poll together. How many people in the room? You absolutely love heights. You love heights. Like the taller, the better. Like you're good. You're good. Okay, there's there's four. All right. So that's, that's a good, okay. We got four. We got four. All right. Now, how many people would say I'm on the complete opposite end of that spectrum? And that is like my feet, like they need to stay right on the ground, like nowhere, no need. Okay. I think the majority is there. I think maybe perhaps, uh, I'm like a a hybrid, if you will. Like I love heights, but I still get that, like that churning in the tummy feel like when you're, when you're, when you're up there. And so I don't think I'm alone in that one. Uh, and so So uh, this past summer, we did a a family trip up to St. Louis, Missouri, and no trip to St. Louis is complete unless you go up in the arch. You got to go like part of the deal. And so we loaded up. We went. And uh, how many people have been up in the arch? All right. You have been up there. All right. 630 feet in the air. Uh, You go in and you ride this capsule. It's like a tiny little bitty capsule and there were seven of us so we had to like divide and conquer. So so I took a few of the kids in one and Amber took a few of the kids in the other. And uh if you if you've been up there, you've been in it, it's like a click elevator, like click, 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 click. And uh and I'm just gonna be real with you. Like I wanna be strong and I wanna be a leader for my, my family, but I'm not gonna lie, like I was nervous. I'm like, okay, where are we right now? I kind of feel it starting to make the curve up to the top and and then we got out, and there's this super narrow strip, this observation deck. That's just it's it's super little, and then windows on both sides, and and the kids are just like like laying on top of it, just like wow, like this is awesome, and I think it's awesome too. But I'm like, I actually felt the arch kind of moving a little bit. I don't know if you have ever been up there, and it's, it was actually a windy, rainy day, and and I I went to the one of the workers, and I was like, ma'am, I was like. I'm just curious. Is this arch moving right now? Because <laughs> I, I feel like it is. She's like, "Oh yeah, it does that when it's when it's a really windy day." I was like, "Okay, that's great. That that changes everything right now." But I just kind of like I'm just kind of like waiting for that time to call our number to get back on the the little capsule and go down. But I share that because if you've been there or you've been up high or a monument, there's way different perspective from when you're on the ground level. Uh than from when you're 630 feet in the air like on the ground level you are limited in what you can see you see hills you see trees you see buildings you can't see beyond that like all you see is what's directly in front of you but in the case of the arch if you uh, decide to take that little adventure up to the top of that the, the the observation deck what you will see is like it's like oh like, this is how this all fits together. That's what's on the other side of that building. That's where these 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 roads and everything are connecting. And we just see it different. And it, it's kind of oversimplifying the the you know the the obvious. But there's only so much you can see when you're on the ground level. But when you go up and you see how it all fits together, it changes. It changes how you see things. And and I say this because. Um, especially as we talk through pain, and specifically this passage that we're walking through, I find more and more confidence and rest in the fact that I know God sees what I can't see a lot of times. And he understands things that I may never understand. And he sees this perspective that is divine. He sees how it all works together i agree with uh, the prophet isaiah when he wrote this in isaiah 55 verse 8 and 9 the prophet wrote for my thoughts are not your thoughts neither are your ways my ways declares the lord for as the heavens are higher than the earth so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts And what that does is that gives me a peace because I know that there are times when I can't see anything but what is right in front of me. And it's honestly, it's hard to see anything else. But yet to rest in the grace and the goodness of God to which we will see in this text, but as believers we know this to be true, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. And so where we pick up, we are in John 11 and... And this is towards the tail end of Jesus' earthly ministry. As a matter of fact, it, Jesus has, in John 10 had just left Jerusalem for the final time uh, before He would come back in the spring for Passover. And so He left Jerusalem and He went to uh, Perea, the, where the Jordan River, where He was baptized. Where John the Baptist had, 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 was baptizing. And this is where He started His earthly ministry. And now He's returned to go back to where it all started as far as His earthly ministry. And, and there is a word that He's going to get on what's going on in the home front. And, and, and what we're going to see from the outset, especially if you know the end of the story, you realize that God sees what the disciples and what Mary and what Martha and what nobody else can see. But what I hope we, we see as a main idea this morning is this, is that the presence of God... And the truth of His Word allow believers to process pain with hope. That as believers, it's not that we don't grieve. It's not that we don't experience pain. We don't experience loss. We don't experience brokenness. Every single one of us experience that. What the difference is, as believers, we grieve differently. We grieve differently because we know who holds the future. The world is a broken place. Illness, loss, struggle, suffering, both physical and emotional, differing levels of trauma. I got a phone call this week from one of my, one of my best friends down in Florida. And uh, serves at a church and his 14-year-old son was having uh, really bad headaches. And, and they were like, something's not right. So they went to the hospital. Long story short, they discovered he has what's called AVF, arteriovenous fistula. It's an abnormal connection of vessels in the tissues around the brain. And what happened was while they're there and they're like, here's what's going on. They said, "Okay, we need you to go home. We need one of you to pack your bags because you're either going to be lifted to Phoenix, Arizona, San Francisco, California or Boston, Massachusetts. You need to go and you need to start getting ready and start figuring everything out. And I don't know exactly when it was on the time frame. It might have been later that day. But the doctor called back and said, we're sorry. Phoenix has rejected the, the operation. We haven't heard anything back from San Francisco. Boston won't return our calls. I'm sorry. We're just going to have to figure out something different now. And so they're having these conversations with Shands. They're having these conversations with Mayo Clinic. They're having all of these conversations. And they're like living in this whirlwind right now. And they're processing... And their whole world has completely changed. You perhaps have been there, uh, or maybe you're even there right now. But they are processing the pain. he said, Jared, our faith is strong. We trust the Lord. Uh, but honestly, right now, we're grabbing a hold of what we have taught and encouraged and poured into other people our, our entire Christian lives. And we're holding on to it. And we all know that in the process, that there's a time when there is a gap between what we know and what we feel. Because pain is so real and so I believe with all my heart God is going to encourage those in pain this morning through his word and so I mentioned we're at the tail end of his earthly ministry he's at the Jordan River a messenger sends a note earlier in John 11 Mary and Martha send a note to a messenger and here's all it says or at least all that we know that it says In verse 3 of John 11, Lord, he whom you love is ill. That was the note. That was the message. That was what got to Jesus. And Jesus receives this note and He sends another note back. And here's what He says in verse 4. But when Jesus heard it, He said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Like that's the message back. And so the disciples are processing Mary and Martha, whenever they get that message, they're processing like all of this is going on. Jesus is able to see what nobody else can see. He knows what's going to happen in about four days. They don't. He does. He's omniscient. He's all-knowing. He knows absolutely everything. And He is going to use this moment, this event of their good friend Lazarus, whom He deeply loves... He's going to use this in multiple ways. He's going to strengthen the faith of the disciples because honestly, their faith is fledgling right now. He's going to use this event to strengthen the the faith of Mary and Martha is what we're going to walk through today. And ultimately, He's going to use it in an unmistakable way, even before Jews who desire to harm Him, in an unmistakable demonstration of His glory and His power. Like on display for everybody to see and so he's on the way verse 17 john chapter 11 the bible says this now when jesus came he found that lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days the holy spirit inspires the the, the disciple john to write this gospel uh, every word we have is important the four days is essential to the story because there was a belief by the Jews, and this is not found in Scripture, but there was a belief that the soul would hover around the body for three days, and then beyond that, um, you know, there's no hope, I guess, for, 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 you know, for coming back from whatever illness or sickness it might be. By day four, the, the body is actually beginning to return to dust as the Bible teaches us. And so this is going on in their mind, but again, four days is is no coincidence. It's purposeful because there's a bigger story that's unfolding that they can't see. That all they see are the trees and the hills and the buildings. They can't see what God is about to do for His glory. And so they are there, verse 18. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So Again, Jew, Jewish custom. There would be a period of mourning for 30 days. As you can imagine, the most intense would be that first week. The mourners would have chairs that would be seated in the home and family, friends, acquaintances. Those who have been impacted, they will come and they will care and love on the family. Uh, they would have chairs set up and that's where the mourners would sit. And they would come and they would uh, they would love on the family. They are gathering for what they think is mourning, but what they're really gathering for is a miracle. But they can't see it yet. But that's what's coming. And it reminds me it's a good opportunity to, to, to get off the ground level and go up to the top of the arch for just a moment and remember why John wrote this gospel in the first place. He tells us over in John chapter 20, verse 31. He says, these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you will have life in His name. And so every story we see that the Gospel writer John includes is all about pointing to that bigger, greater, grander story, and that's that Jesus is the Son of God, and that by believing in Him, you will have life. And so that's the, that's the groundwork for this, for this Gospel and for this miracle. But as every single one of us can testify, when you walk through pain and whether it's emotional, spiritual, physical, when you walk through pain, you can look different in how you're doing from 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 the first hour to the fifth hour, like it can almost be like a roller coaster sometimes. And so we're going to see a couple looks at, at at grief and processing pain and kind of what, what we experienced, there was a lady named Elizabeth Kubler-Ross who did some kind of groundbreaking work as far as like stages of grief. And maybe you've all heard it, but it's kind of laid out like this. The point of trauma or impact or event takes place. And when that moment takes place, that first stage is denial. Denial is that, that, that unwillingness to, to accept what is happening is really happening. Like, this isn't real. This is a dream. I'm going to wake up and all this is going to be over. Um, it's that, no, this isn't true. That's not really happening. It's denial. Denial can transition to that next level, which is anger. And you get angry at other people. You get angry at yourself. You get angry at God. You get, you get all kinds of emotion that's swirling around. From denial to anger to Bargaining. Bargaining gets into that, well, if only I would have done this, then this. Or if only we could have, or only we should have, if only we had an opportunity. It's that if then, if then, if then. And it's that constant kind of like processing of, well, if only then. But bargaining will soon give way, if not guarded, to depression. And depression is kind of that pit that many people land in because the circumstances of what was going on were so overwhelming that they find themselves in this place of, of depression and despair. But there is one more layer, and it's, it's, it's even hard to say, but it is what God will use to help us in the process, and that is by God's grace we accept what is happening that we realize what's going on, that we come to terms. It doesn't mean it's easy and it doesn't mean it's not painful every time we don't think about it. It doesn't mean that we don't tear up every time we start to speak about what goes on. It just means that by God's grace, by His grace, we put one foot in front of the other. And being a believer, we know, does not make us immune to the process. And we've all been there. And what we're going to see again is two different looks at processing Pain in faith. Mary and Martha love God. They love the Lord. They're strong believers. But yet we're seeing even in their lives, we'll see they're in two different places. And they're working through it. So let's look at how Martha processes in faith and disappointment. Verse 20, verse 20 says this. It says, So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met Him. But Mary remained seated in the house i mentioned the custom was the mourners sit in the chairs friends and family come it's a it's a period of mourning it's intense and they, they they're sitting there but martha i love martha so many of us can relate with martha because martha is a doer <laughs> like she is not a sitter like she she like maybe she's supposed to sit in the seat but she's not sitting in the sheet seat. like she's gone in Luke 10, there's this amazing story about how when Jesus came to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home. And the Bible says that Martha was distracted with much serving. And so Mary's there. Mary's at the feet of Jesus. She's up close. She's, she's yielded to Him. She's listening to His voice, His word. She's, she's as close as she can to Him. All the while, Martha is just like getting to work, getting to work. And then she goes to Jesus and says this. She says, um, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. <laughs> it is so funny because she's telling Jesus what to do. <laughs> she's telling God, like, man, she needs, to, she needs to get to it. Like, she's slacking over here. But Jesus tells her, she says, Martha, Martha. And, and isn't it funny? Like, we'll say somebody's name a couple times when we really want them to hear what we're trying to say. He says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion. Which will not be taken away from her. And so Martha. Staying in tune with her personality and her wiring. She's not sitting. She's gone. She's going to track down Jesus. And in verse 21. Martha said to Jesus. Lord. If you had been here. My brother would not have died. Like if you had been there. My brother would would not have died. You can sense and hear the heartbrokenness in her voice. She is not rebuking God in the flesh. She is not, she is, she, she is processing. She's processing what's going on and she's processing in faith. Like, Lord, if you, would, if you would only have been here. And so you can sense the disappointment, you can sense the frustration, you can even sense her anger. And I'm not trying to look at the stages of grief and where she's at, but she she could very well be in that anger stage, kind of in and out, as she's processing what is going on. She's thinking, God, if you would only have been here, he wouldn't have died. But the power of God is not limited by mileage. Amen? It's just, he's God. And he can do anything, at any time. And so in verse 22, but even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. In other words, what she says is, I don't know what you can do now, but I know you can do anything. (laughs) That's kind of where that's kind of where she's landing. But she has faith in the pain. And here's what I love. Let's see what Jesus didn't do. Mary tracks her down or Martha tracks him down, stops him. If only you would have been here and I I feel the disappointment and I feel the anger and I feel the frustration. What we don't see Jesus doing is rebuking her. Like He doesn't say, who do you think you are talking to me like that? Like He doesn't give her a lecture on how wrong she is for how she approached Him and even the tone and the struggle. Like, no, what does He do? He in grace gives life-giving truth and gives just a little bit. Like doesn't lecture hurt? Like the time isn't now for the lecture. Have you ever been there? Like something's going completely off the rails. And maybe somebody's there in the lecture. And it's like. We, we, we've done that. I've done that. Like, like, that's a, that, like we all get that. Like what, what does Jesus do? Jesus finds her very simply. Verse 23 and says this. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. I love it. Short, sweet, encouraging, life-giving truth. And it's just what she needed to hear. But Martha said to Him in verse 24, I know that He will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Martha's like, I know my Bible. She knows her Bible. She knows Daniel 12. Like She knows all the Scriptures. She knows the soul goes to heaven. She understands there's going to be a bodily resurrection at at whatever point the Lord desires to, to do that. And God's going to give us a new body and it's going to be amazing. And so she's like, I know, I know, I know all of those things. I know that there will be a resurrection. But what she didn't realize is that Jesus was going to do that like right now, (laughs) right now. And so another observation is that pain and loss never have the final word for those who believe in Christ. Pain and loss never have the final word for those who believe in Christ. Verse 25, Jesus said to her, I love this. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Jesus is taking her eyes off of the event and turning her eyes to him. He says, I am the resurrection, and the life. This is the fifth I am statement so far in the Gospel of John. I am our divine statements of identity that only God can say about Himself. That He is. And Jesus is inviting her to trust Him even in the pain. The One who alone has the power over death. And in Christ, through Christ, there is life. And there is life for the believer... And you just think that for Lazarus and what they're going to experience, like, I mean, they're about to see a miracle, but can you imagine what heaven is going to be like with our Savior forever and ever and ever and ever? And I'm sure Bethany where they're at was a beautiful place, an awesome place, but I'm thinking Lazarus doesn't want to come back to Bethany. That, that's, my, that's my hunch. That's my, that's my guess. You know, I can't even imagine how that whole heavenly conversation took place and was like, Lazarus, I know like you're loving heaven right now, but but, um, because we know the rest of the story. But here's the encouragement as believers, we know the rest of the story. For all of those who have a relationship with Jesus, that there will be a day when we are with Him forever and ever and have life and have life to the full. But just think about what that day will be like. No more pain. I just want to say it again. No more pain. I'm going to say it one more time. That's all right. No more pain. No more pain. No more hospitals. No more medication. No more procedures. No more hoping. No more wondering. No more like. No more, like no more pain, like none. Jesus has come. He has come. He is the resurrection. He is the life. He is the life. And we know the rest of the story. We know what's coming. We have His Word. It's a gift to us. This is is our hope. This is our blessed assurance. This is what we know. But all they see is the trees and the hills and the buildings of pain right now. But what God sees is He's seeing the groundwork for a miracle. So the presence of God and the truth of His Word allow believers to process pain with hope. With hope. And what does He say? He says, do you believe this? Because it can be intellectual agreement all day long and not be belief. Belief is to place your entire weight, your entire trust, your entire hope your entire confidence in the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and that by believing in Him and Him alone, you will have life. And I I think all of us in the room, all of us listening in online right now, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And He looks and He says this to all of us, do you believe? Do you believe? Because nobody can believe for you. You have to believe with all of your heart. And so in verse 27, she said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe. That word believe speaks of fixed and settled faith. It's like, I believe now and I'm going to keep on believing. Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Different looks processing pain and faith. We see faith and disappointment, and now we see in Mary faith and worship. Verse 29, And when she heard it, Mary, she rose quickly and went to Him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met Him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. And now when Mary came... To where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had not been here, my brother would not have died. Isn't it interesting? She says the very same thing her sister said. It almost makes you wonder how many times in the past four days they've said, If only Jesus were here, if only Jesus were here, if only Jesus was here. How many times they they processed and they asked the question. Where is Jesus? But where is Mary? Mary? Mary is at the same place we see her the three times she's mentioned in Scripture. At the feet of Jesus. At the feet of Jesus. She is worshiping the Lord. As difficult and as painful as it all was. Even though she can only see the ground level. And only though she can only process the loss of her brother. That she is at the feet of Jesus and she is worshiping through the pain. She's trusting through the pain. Why? Because she knows who Jesus is. Verse 23, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, He was deeply moved in His spirit and greatly troubled. When it talks about Mary was weeping, have you ever been in a place or in a room where there was weeping and wailing like loudly at at loss, at pain? This is what that word means. The word literally means loud lamenting. Mary is pouring out her heart in pain and hurt. She's pouring her heart out. And the Bible says that Jesus was deeply moved and greatly troubled. That word troubled literally means snorting like a horse. It's like this grunt. It's not even a word. It's just this, like, this deep anger that is of divine intensity that's swirling around. And so, why is Christ so angry? And I believe, and I believe there are multiple reasons, but what we see consistent with His character is the Word, is the, the painful sting of sin and death and loss. I think He is grieving at the pain of death. That He is angry at death. That I think if we took a poll right now and we said, how many of you are angry at death? We would all say we are angry at death. And here's the encouragement. Christ is too. That He he is angry at the cost of the sting of sin and death seeing the hurt of mary and martha lazarus is like like life has never been better for lazarus but for mary and martha they are they are they are struggling they're struggling he's perhaps angry at the jews who have gathered to mourn because the jews are mourning and they have no hope like they don't know who christ is they haven't placed their faith and trust in christ as the resurrection of life and so so this this frustration or anger even at, at mourning at loss because Death is just a doorway. We know that as believers, it's a doorway into resurrection life, and so we see in the text that 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 that, that there's a, a anger. I, I was in the hospital earlier this week visiting with a family, and the family member said to me these words. They said, "I don't understand how people without Jesus making it make it. I don't see how people who have no hope that make it." And I, I quickly said, "I don't think they are." I think, they, I think they're raveling apart at the seams because it is through the hope of Christ that by God's grace, we know the best is yet to come. And so in verse 34, He said, Where have you laid Him? And they said to Him, Lord, come and see. And the shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven 35, two words, two powerful words, Jesus wept. He wept. He wept. This is the only place in the Bible where we see this word that he wept. It speaks not of a a loud wailing like like Mary, but rather like a silent bursting of tears. Just of, of, of mourning and weeping. And here's what is so important to see. And be encouraged if you are in the room and you are in the pain and you are in the process. Here's the encouragement. Christ enters into your pain. He's there. We perhaps in one way are never more like Jesus than we are entering into the pain of others. Their suffering, their brokenness, their struggle, their temptation. like, like We are like Jesus when we are entering into that suffering. And what does Jesus do? He is weeping with those who weep. Isaiah 53 Verse 3 says that Christ, the Messiah, is a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He's grieving for Mary and Martha. He's entering in with them in their pain. He's grieving over the effects of sin. And he weeps. We see the humanity of Jesus. But again, processing in the pain. Just wait and see what's going to happen. And so in verse 36... The Bible says that. So the Jews said, "See how he loved him." But some of them said, "Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying?" And what they're doing is they these Jews who have come, they are they all they see is the ground level. All they see are the trees, all they see is the hills, all they see is the buildings. Isn't this the great miracle worker? Like, isn't this the one that just like healed somebody from being born blind? Isn't this the one that healed the man who had been paralyzed for almost four decades of his life? Isn't this the one that multiplied the loaves and the fishes? Isn't this the one that walked on water? Isn't this the one that just speaks and wind and waves, obey their name? Is' isn't, isn't, and, and like all they see is the ground level, and, and oh my goodness, don't miss next week, okay? Because the best is yet to come. Because what they don't see is they're, they're here to mourn, they're here to mourn, but no, God has gathered them for a miracle, and one that they could never, in a million years explain away, only to say that this is the Christ, the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, there is life in His name. He's the, only, he's the only way. And so this morning as we look in this text, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, like I'm holding back, just keeping going, because it's hard to end in brokenness sometimes. But this is where they're living. This is where Mary and this is where Martha are. They're in the pain. They're processing with faith. They love the Lord, but they're walking through this, the grief. In, in, in pain, and frustration, disappointment, and in worship. And they're there. But here's what I would encourage all of us this morning once again is this. Is that God sees you. That He is not distant. He is near the broken hearted. The Holy Spirit, He calls Himself the helper. The Holy Spirit living within us to help us along. The one that comes alongside. The one that gives us the grace and the strength to do what we could never do On our own. And here's what I love. Is that in this moment with Martha and Mary both. He doesn't rebuke them. He doesn't lecture them. He doesn't tell them who do you think you are for approaching me in this way. He meets them where they're at. Overwhelms them with His grace, His love, and His truth. And He encourages them. Take your eyes off the event. And look at me. I am the resurrection and the life. And so I love that Christ is there, He's present, and He is speaking truth and love in a way that only He, only he can. And to the church, I would say, we are, we are perhaps never more like Jesus than when we are entering into the suffering of others and we are with them along the way. And so be, be encouraged. I know I've said the word encouraged like 500 times, but honestly, it's like the word that comes to mind. It's like, let's not miss that truth right now. Every single one of us knows somebody who's hurting. Perhaps you are the one that's hurting this morning. And that the body of Christ will come alongside and to speak words of truth and encouragement and love. Pain and loss are never easy, but pain and loss for the believer never have the final word. Never have the final word. So I want to pray for us. And I invite you to, to pray with me. And, and as we pray, uh, I, I, uh, I understand that we are all entering into this room at different places along the journey. And, uh, and different levels of, of brokenness and different levels of joy and and just the whirlwind, if you will. In a lot of ways, we can all relate to Mary and Martha and some shape, form, or fashion. But I would just encourage you once again to hear the words, the life-giving words of Jesus who is present, who enters into the suffering, who is acquainted with sorrows. I love how Hebrews says He can sympathize with our weaknesses because He was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. He understands and He knows. And the best is yet. To come. We see the trees. We see the hills. We see the buildings. God sees the whole thing. And the best is yet to come. God help those hearts. That are hurting right now. And minister to them. Through the power of your spirit. Your throne that's called grace. Minister your grace. And love to them. May they sense your tangible love. And care for them. Holding them tight. God may you raise up the body of Christ to be a support, to be an encouragement, to be a shoulder to cry on, to be a a needed hug, to just hear that they're not alone. God, I pray that you would use your church to minister as the body of Christ. And God, I pray that if there's anybody here who does not have a life-giving relationship with you, That they would hear the invitation of Jesus speaking through the text. Do you believe? Do you believe? Not intellectual agreement, but rather acknowledging our sinfulness. Understanding our sin has separated us from a holy God. But understanding a holy God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to live a life that we could never live. To die on a cross that we deserve. To be placed in a tomb. And he rose from the dead the third day. Proving that he alone has the power to forgive sin. The power to give peace with God. And the power to give life and life to the full. And so I pray that if there's anybody here who has not believed. That today would be the day of repentance and faith and trust. Placing their whole weight and trust and confidence in you as their Lord and their Savior. So God, we praise you for the hope that is in you and God, we praise you for your presence that never leaves us and never forsakes us and we thank you for this mission that you've entrusted to us to take your good news, the hope of the gospel, to broken and hurting hearts. So God we love you and we praise you in Jesus name, amen. Amen, I invite you to stand with me and and uh, we're going to have a, a song of response. And, and that's exactly what it is. Maybe your response is, I just need to sit down right where I'm at. I need to pray. Maybe your response is to walk over to somebody you love and care for and to pray over them. Maybe it's coming to the altar and praying. We have pastors here. Maybe you're here and you're like, you know what? I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. Like right now, I've put it off long enough. I need to place my faith and hope and trust in the resurrection and the life. Because he's the only one who can save. Whatever it looks like, let's be sensitive to the Lord during this time.